Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Thunderbase Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by the sports columnist for the Oklahoma, Joe Masato, on this Tuesday morning. Joe, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Michael. I, uh, I'm fired up because this evening, tonight, I'm going to the fair. I, I love the fair. What do you think of the fair? Are you a fair goer? I like the fair. I'm not like a roller coaster guy. Um, I just don't trust... Uh, I don't trust roller coasters, uh, mainly at like the county fair or state fair level. Yeah, they do seem pretty rickety. I myself am not. I might venture over to the midway a little bit to play a, a, a game that is impossible to win. I will not be riding any rides. I mainly go um, for the various fried foods. And uh, I like walking through the barns, seeing the animals, you know, it. uh Oh boy, it really takes me back. So I I'm looking forward to the to the fair. I think the rain is going to uh, end soon, and uh, yeah, I shall be enjoying myself. Are you gonna play any games? What's your go to fair game if you are going to win a prize? Um, so I I, I mean I I think I played them all as a as a kid. I, I come from a big fair family, um, and like like the 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 uh the rings mm-hmm. you, you toss it on the bottles that's that's like impossible i've done the one where you try to shoot out the star that's impossible um the one where uh you climb up like a twisting ladder i haven't actually tried that one it's it's impossible i don't only know. like tiny children can do it yeah you need like you need to be small or have like insane core strength i don't know like would poku be able to do it and not cheat like could he just like launch his arm and reach to the end yeah i think he could get on like the first rung and then just leap to try to like reach it i mean i don't know if that would count though if he actually had to climb it there's zero chance yeah. <laughs> I, I i could i could finish it uh quicker than he could yeah um i get guilted into going into the basketball ones every once in a while on those carny rims where it's like half the size of a normal rim and the balls are overinflated and and it's like 15 feet high. Yeah, 15 feet high <laughs> and things like that. What's your favorite fair food before we get into the the mailbag part of this? Uh, you know, I uh at com. Uh Janae Williams, our food writer, uh did a list of she she tried everything, some of the new stuff, so I actually need to reference that to see what I'm going to get. Um I I like some of the classic stuffs. You know, sometimes I'll go for an old turkey leg. My favorite thing is probably uh like th- there's this like Wisconsin cheese stand that has fried mozzarella sticks and oh boy, those are so good. So I'll probably do that. I'm I'm pretty basic. I'm a funnel cake guy if I'm going to get anything. Just, you know, funnel cakes aren't exactly like accessible a lot of other places, so when you're at a, at yeah. a fair, that's where you get them. I don't think you can go through a drive through and get a funnel cake anywhere. No, no. We've 
we also just... how messy that would i mean the powdered sugar would get everywhere yeah eating a funnel cake in your car sounds horrendous i know oh you a couple of years ago did like funnel cake like fries where they were like in the shape of french fries uh-huh. so that was that was a lot easier but yeah let's get into the mailbag portion of this joe you can look at the our food thoughts on a on a different blog you can look at the oklahoman for uh those foods so that should yeah, be interesting. i guess we should move on to basketball i guess so people don't want to hear our food thoughts but Question first from John Saw 1962. Outside of the regular starters, who will be immune to the DNP uh, coach's decision fate this season? Basically, outside of the starters, who will be uh, who looks to be a permanent part of the rotation? In your opinion, that's a good question. Um, let's think here. I think Kenrich Williams is going to play. Uh, pretty much every night he's healthy. I think Jay Will, um, given their lack of big men, is going to play pretty much every night he's healthy. I want to say Michich, and I want to say Kaysen Wallace, but crazier things have happened, right? I, I mean, I, I could see those guys getting DNPs. We've seen it with Wiggins. Um, who am I leaving? I, I would throw here? Isaiah Joe in there. Yeah, Isaiah Joe. I, I would throw him as in as well. Like when he got established as part of the rotation, he was in there on a, on a pretty nightly basis. So um, I would say that if if you want to look at an eight eight man rotation, which is is not going to happen, obviously they're going to play more than that. I think Kenrich, Jay, Will, Isaiah Joe would be like the first three I would mention, and then probably Michich and Wallace after that. Yeah, I think that's right. Jay Will is the most obvious one to me just because of the last you know, lack of like kind of front court depth that they have. Mm-hmm. So he's going to play. Kenrich has been a staple of the rotation the last couple of years. Isaiah Joe, they really needed shooting. And then, yeah, we're kind of splitting hairs with Case and then Mijic in terms of who's going to go back and forth. But yeah, Mark, if he had the option, he'd play 20 guys. He would call people out of the stands. So. Yeah, Um Let's see who we're leaving. So uh, obviously Aaron Wiggins, Trey Mann, who we've seen get DNPs. Um, not all these guys are going to make the team, but Jack White. Usman Jang is interesting. Yeah. You think Usman Jang is going to get DNPs? I don't. It just depends. Like some of this is so hard because we don't know what they look like going into this season. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have a much better feeling in preseason, even when it's not like real games but just watching how he moves and things. But um, there's not as many obstacles in front of him to play because, I mean, he's going to get minutes over JRE. He's going to get minutes over uh, guys like Bertans. Who do you do you think he gets minutes over Poku? Do you think he gets priority in that? Yeah, okay. uh, I would. I would certainly give him priority over Poku. Different, um, different skill sets, different positions, but might be uh it might be a fun bet to do like who who will get more total minutes this year Aaron Wiggins or Usman Jang I'm just going to already put it on Jang because I don't want to be heartbroken whenever Aaron it's, Wiggins doesn't play for like a week and a half I think I I think I would probably pick Jang as well yeah I think I would well I mean Mark is all about defense and I think you can sort of trust Jang already on that like as a teenager already coming in and playing like pretty good defense. Like we've all remember the video of him like guarding Steph, but that's not all the time, but just his positional awareness and how he moves his feet. I think that that's going 
going to be something that keeps him on the floor, even through some um, growing pains on the offensive end. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But it, it's a good question. We're off to a we're off to a blazing start. Yes, sir. Question from at Andrew Boo Boo Two: If you offered Poku an extension before the season, what would you consider a fair offer? I think this is a very hard yeah question. <laughs> First, if you offered Poku an extension before the season, what would you consider a fair contract? I don't think Poku is going to get an offer before the season. So I will just put that out there. Um, I think it's much more likely that, well, I don't know. It's just so hard to gauge where he's at. I I mean, I could see him being traded perhaps at at the, at the deadline. I could see him um, maybe entering restricted free agency this summer, which, you know, Thunder players don't usually get to. But for comparison's sake, I looked at some of the recent uh, contracts. Some of these were just straight-up free agent contracts uh, and not necessarily extensions. Um, but here's one. The 76ers extended Paul Reed three years for $23 million. Sounds reasonable. Paul Reed? Probably a better player right now than Poku, but I think Poku has a higher upside. Uh, Dwight Powell, obviously very different uh, career tracks here. You know, the Mavs know what they have in Dwight Powell. Three for 12, it's only four million bucks a year. That would be uh, a pay cut, I think, for for Poku. Jock Landell, four for 32. Maybe something along there. I, I mean... I uh, like Gabe Vincent. We we saw what he did uh, in the NBA playoffs. He he just he he signed uh, a contract three for thirty three. So I don't know if Poku is as valuable as any of these guys, but still, given the upside, I could see something between you know eight and ten million dollars annually. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, some of it is just contextual, like Gabe Vincent probably could have gotten more money somewhere else but if you can go yeah. to la and play with lebron and those guys and compete that's what you're going to do jock landale the rockets have a lot of money they want to pay someone that is what they were going to do mm-hmm. for poku i looked at a couple other deals i don't think he's as good as this guy but isaiah stewart got a four-year deal with 15 million dollars per year no he got a four-year 15 million dollar contract it looks like here now it's 15 per just disregard what I just said. Okay, yeah. Four years, per. 64 million. I don't know. I think Poku, like you mentioned, around like the 10 to $11 million range. And I would do something like a two or three year deal with a team option at the end and just get it one more look for a couple more seasons because everyone knew when Poku was drafted, this was going to be for the long haul that you were going to need time to develop him. But going into restricted free agency, which I know the Thunder don't like, and I'll let you get this in a second, is... I don't know the market for Poku in terms of other teams that look like to be appropriate suitors that just are going to be lining up for him that fit. I don't think there would be suitors. I really don't like competitive suitors that would offer an offer that that would, you know, submit an offer sheet. I mean, is is Poku better than Bol Bol? That's a great question. Um I'd have to con- I'd have to ask some 13-year-olds on TikTok about that. 
But because yeah. Bull Bull just signed a one-year, $2.2 million contract. I think if Poku is on the open market, I think it's likely he would get a one-year deal. So if that's the case, then I kind of take back anything I, I said regarding you know some of the contract extensions that were signed this offseason because I don't know if the Thunder would be incentivized to offer him any of that as they try to save every single penny um, toward the big contracts coming down the road. I just don't know if it would be worth it when, you know, who are you, who are you bidding against? Yeah. The only teams I can even think of that just seem like a Poku flyer is the obvious connection in Washington with the front offices. And then San Antonio doesn't look like they're going to be in a position where they're really charging in for a while and they have a weird team, but there's not a lot of teams that are like in a rebuilding phase currently. And for Poku, it's just so tough because he had a great season to start the year and then his injury derailed it. But yeah, I, I don't think the Thunder are any position where they're trying to um, speed in and get this contract extension done. I think they just kind of want to see what's happening. And maybe he is moved at the deadline. But yeah, I wouldn't be as much as it pains me to say um, anticipating an extension anytime soon. Uh yeah, I I would not be I would not be either. I mean, Poku is one of the more fascinating players in any context. Um but especially going into this season, the last year of his rookie contract, um we still haven't seen that much of him. He's still like 21 years old, so you know, what we know about Poku uh is that it, we don't it, know anything. <laughs> is that we don't know anything. Yeah. We still it's still like such a small sample size with him. Well, we'll get to the next one. One guy that we do have a bigger sample on, and uh, it's the question from Kent and Nicholson. Is Oladipo healthy? What would we do with him? Is it a buyout or a release or what? Straight to the point. Uh, Yeah, yeah. What are we doing with this guy? Um, I I don't know the status of his health right now. I I mean, I I think that's obviously a question after he got injured in, in, in the playoffs, um, hasn't done any interviews from what I've seen. So this would be a case where if he does report to training camp, that's obviously top of mind on media day, which is coming up on October 2nd. I still think it's unlikely that Oladipo makes this team. Uh, I don't think there's uh room for him, but at the same time, um, there's no reason for the thunder to do something right now i mean they they still have a few weeks to let this play out if you know that's a that's a nice number to to move in a trade so you might as well keep your options open for as long as you can and then if they get to the point where you know there's no trade really arises where you could put him in uh then maybe he's just straight up waived but um i don't think he's going to make the team but that being said um, they've got the Bertans contract to play with. I do think he is going to make the squad. If they want to keep Oladipo around, it would be for those trade reasons to to have that number to have some wiggle room during the year. But that would come at the expense of uh, a young player they they might be high on. So um, if that's the if that's the debate, I think they would lean toward like keeping a, a young developmental guy rather than keeping a contract around. You're more of a wordsmith than me, but I'd be in between surprised and shocked if Oladipo played this season. The the patellar tendon that he did tear was um, back in April 
20 um of 2023 the 23rd it was against the bucks and the playoffs and that's the same injury that andre robertson had quite a few years ago and just looking at the timetable and we know injuries are different for every player it looks to be about a year recovery and i don't think he'd be in the plans anyways for him to play and like you mentioned i think that it would just be attaching a salary and i think it would be nice to have that added salary to maybe combine with the Breton's contract when you get to the deadline but like you mentioned that would also you would have to sacrifice another roster spot of a young guy that you like. Oladipo, I mean, you you mentioned Robertson. It hasn't gotten to that degree, but like th- he has not played more than so. So his let's see here, his first year with Indiana after the trade played in seventy five games. The next year he played in thirty six. Um. That's the most games he's played since then. 2018-19, he played in 36 games. So uh, the next year, he plays in 19 games. 2021 season, plays in 33 games. Um, last year with the Heat, played in 42, which was his most in five years. So uh, Oladipo just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And you know he he's never returned to that all-star form that he showed in Indiana. Uh, so you're not even counting on that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't see it. I, I don't see it other than if, if they already know if, if there's a deal in mind or, you know, there's, uh, they, they've already gotten further down the road with something. Yeah. January, 2019, right quad tear with Indiana returns to Indiana in 2020 of January, April, 20, uh, April of 2021 tears that same right quad again. And then the left patella uh, tear in Miami and his knee. So just unfortunate luck for Victor. And right now, if you're wondering, it's like, well, if they're not going to keep him to the deadline, why not just cut him now? I guess the only thing that I would mention is that there are still murmurs and potential for like a Damian Lillard trade and the Thunder could get involved in some way with some salary and maybe you hold yeah. on to him for that. But that's that's the only other thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, for Oladipo. At this point, you know, for him, like I, I'm not. I I think he'll play in another NBA game at some point, but I don't think it's guaranteed. And I'm not talking about with the Thunder. I'm just saying for anyone with his injury history, he's 31 years old. Um, it's it's going to be really tough to to come back from. So the Thunder, you know, I think they like Oladipo. Obviously, they've had him here. Seems to be a good guy. Um, but but there's there's no interest in what he can do on the floor. Yeah, just unfortunate. But moving on here, question from Chris. Do you think that Shay uses a ghostwriter for his Instagram captions? Uh I do. I I think <laughs> I thought it was very funny when his teammates was like, Yeah, those those are too good. Like oh, it was Wiggins and Trey, yeah. Yeah, and like you know, throwing out Drake's name, obviously the uh, Toronto ties. Like, is is Drake helping uh, Shea write these these post game captions? Here's why I don't think they're real, because it, it's more so out of jealousy than anything. I think it's really, really good writing and creative writing, and it's like, how can you be that good? at that and also be one of the best basketball players in the world. Like the odds are against you being that good at both of those things. Um, 
and maybe I'm hyping up the the lyrics a little too much, but I think they're genuinely good. So it's like, well, what, can this guy really do it all? Uh, maybe, maybe he's a renaissance man, but I, I would like to think that, you know, even Shea Gilgis Alexander has his limits. It seems too good to be true. Like It reminds me of whenever you'd hear the discussion about Tom Brady and it's like, yeah, he's married to a supermodel who makes uh, double his money. And it's like, OK, yeah. come on, like this. We're, we're This is not a fair playing field if you're Tom Brady and you get to have all these other things on top of being the greatest quarterback ever. But yeah, Shay, um, I'll play devil's advocate. And I think that he writes them. I will push back on the idea that he said to us where it's like, yeah, I just sit down for 10 minutes and write this. Don't believe it. Not at all. Yeah, I mean. Hmm, I got to I, I got to get to the bottom of this. This is my this is my goal for this season. You know, the players, they they might want to make the playoffs, you know, Dagnall, he's going to want to see development, whatever, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to try to get to the bottom of the Shea lyrics. And is there a ghostwriter? I'm looking forward to you peeking over in the locker room over Shea's shoulder on his phone to see if there's any text messages going between him and Drake, which just for the fun of it, I'm I'm trying to imagine a conversation between Shea and Drake where he's like, um, here's my stat line for tonight. I had this move. What can you give me? What what are you working with here? What kind of line can you give me? I, I don't think it's Drake because you you know, Shea's pretty famous. Mm-hmm. Drake's one of the most like famous artists in the world, and uh I'm sure they have a nice friendly relationship. I, I don't think Drake has that much like free time to whenever, you know, Shay texts him, Hey, can you uh s- send me a few lines on a I Tuesday in November? <laughs> yeah, I doubt that happens. But hey, Drake was in Oklahoma City. We still don't know exactly why. Maybe they were ne- negotiating some sort of deal. Not that Drake is hard up for money, um, but uh perhaps they were doing some collaborating then. And then Shay, yeah, like you mentioned, for him to be this talented, I will say this. Just from the outside looking in, he is an extremely creative person just in terms of how he scores and how he operates on a basketball court. And then obviously we have the fashion thing. So I don't think it's like a far reach for him to be also creative in his writing. But maybe this maybe this is part of the story. Maybe you go back to your roots of Kentucky. You find his comp one English professor. You ask him about his writing. Send me his transcripts. Yeah. What <laughs> Shay, what do you write about for your uh, your final in this class? <laughs> Yeah. Did you take any poetry classes? But yeah, the, the Shea stuff is very funny. Um, I will ask you one question. Do you know what the name of Drake's album is that's going to release this week? Uh, no, I didn't know there was a Drake album releasing this week, and I don't know the name of it. For All the Dogs, with the, the album art is drawn by his son, who's like six years old. But I am going to be patiently looking at the album and seeing if there's any writing credits for Shea Gilgis Alexander at the very end. Maybe maybe, maybe it's in do, verse. Maybe he's writing for Drake. Could could there be a mention of Shea? Could Shea be name dropped in this new album? That that's I would set the odds are pretty high that the one really good Canadian player is going to get mentioned. That's when you know you've like really made it when like your name is mentioned in a rap song. Yeah, I feel that way until like Drake did a whole song about Lou Williams being a six man that kind of just like <laughs> it watered down the whole thing. He goes, I'm a six man like Lou Will. And it's like the whole song. And it's like, OK, like Chef Curry, that line. Good. You mentioned one about KD. That's good. It's like there, we need some type of regulation. We can't. It's like 
yeah, I hit step backs like I'm um, Dion Waiters. And it's like, no, no, you can't. Th- there, are, there are limits. But next question. We, we, we have Mo Bamba. <laughs> Mo Bamba, more well known. It's like, hey, I, I also play basketball, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, it's like uh, people who hear that song probably have no idea there's an NBA player named Mo Bamba. Question from Holly M. Bailey, 25. What are the odds the arena doesn't get approved? What are the chances the Thunder leave OKC if the new arena isn't voted through? And also wanted to mention, always look forward to your podcast, which we appreciate. But this question, uh, tough. Yeah, uh, thank you for the kind words. I I imagine there's there's polling on this. I would I, I would think the the city has some sort of idea. Uh, uh, on where things stand among the electorate. I think the odds of it passing are like 85%. And maybe I'm naive and that's too high. I just think some of the criticism, while um, I respect everyone's position and totally understand it, I, I just think people are underestimating um the amount of people like there there's like a vocal minority on on Twitter and it's such an echo chamber i think a lot of people just want like cool things and will vote yes to have cool things and to have a new arena and the thunder stick around so i think kind of the some of the skepticism is a little overblown and i uh as always retain full rights to look like an idiot and uh, maybe i'm completely underestimating this um if if it does not pass i think the percent of the thunder leaving oklahoma city is like 20 percent, maybe lower than that because if this doesn't pass there's going to be a new plan and a new vote. And if that doesn't pass, there's going to be another plan and a new vote. This is not like a one-time thing where, Oh, we missed our chance. Now we're going to be looking at other places. I'm probably going to go 10%, maybe 5%. I I think it's extremely low. And here's one of the reasons why moving a franchise is very, very difficult. And it's even more difficult when ownership is split up seven ways. Like the thunder ownership is we know clay Bennett, is the face of ownership, the Thunder chairman, but none of the owners have more than a 19% share in the team. So it's not like one guy, it's not like Clay Bennett could just move the team. It would require a lot of cooperation from an ownership group that's all a bunch of Oklahomans. They're they're all from here. So I I think it's in their best interest after moving it here in the first place to to keep it here. It's not like there's a you know owner with ties to another you know bigger market or place vegas or kansas city or wherever it may be um so if you're fearing that oklahoma city is going to lose the thunder i would say fear not because almost everything would have to go wrong for that to happen I also feel like there's a much higher chance around like 80% of the vote goes through the vocal minority that you mentioned. Also, just the amount of people working for the Thunder and the arena and things. Those are some guaranteed votes, hopefully. And I think there are a lot of people that can see the bigger context, like we talked about, of the concerts that could come in, the Final Four, a hockey team or whatever it is that 
only can happen with this new arena. As far as like if the vote doesn't co- uh, go through, I would just say just don't play with fire. Like you mentioned, it's an Oklahoma ownership group, so I don't think they're going anywhere. I'd put it around like 10, 15 percent like you mentioned. But this is not a situation where I would go and think that you're going to a negotiation table where it's like, well, we'll vote this down and then they'll have to come back and give more money. Just like if we've learned anything from how the team got here, that is not a game of chicken you want to play necessarily. Yeah, you don't want history to repeat itself. And history can provide some very valuable lessons when you look back at why teams relocated. And as you mentioned, look no further than Seattle. Next question from Shake the Dealer. What is the best case scenario for the Thunder this season? And then what are some realistic trade scenarios that the Thunder might explore? Let's start with a best case scenario. Best case scenario for the Thunder this season, I I think would be a top six seed. Um I don't I don't know if I want to get like more specific than that, but I, I think that would be the best case scenario. No matter what their record is, if you're telling me that the Thunder, you know, not only makes the postseason, uh, but bypasses the play-in tournament entirely, I think that's the best case scenario. Uh, what was the second question? It was about realistic um, trade targets, or let me let me get it here for sure. What are some realistic uh, yeah. trade scenarios that the Thunder might explore? Yeah, those are, those are always so hard. Um, i I don't have I don't think they're going to make. I mean, maybe if they're a top six seed, sure. But still, I don't think they're going to make any moves that are more like win now focus that sacrifice any part of the future. I think it's going to be more of what you saw last year, even where, you know, they might part with someone like a Mike Mescala to get a, a couple second round picks or a Darius Baisley who who they're not going to re-sign. I mean, they could do something like that with Poku. So I think it's going to be way, way more marginal moves. I don't think you're going to see a big splash. I'm with you. I think that the sixth seed is probably the highest for them. Just the West is so deep and I'm with you. I'm not going to go on a win total because the West is so deep. It's just so hard to grasp and guess where these teams are going to be win wise because Outside of, and maybe you can push back on this, Portland and San Antonio, I think all the other 13 teams in the West feel like they should be in the playoff mix. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Houston's going to make the playoffs, but clearly with what they did this offseason, that is that is their goal. So um, I'm with you. Even if, even if Dame plays, I, I just, I don't see it from Portland. Um, San Antonio... I think is the safest bet to miss the playoffs. I don't think Utah is going to make the playoffs, but you know, they were pretty good last year. So um, yeah, there, there's not, there's not a lot of obvious tankers and that's going to make every game hard. Yeah. No free wins this season. It's looking like you're not going to get to play some of these teams of the past, but as far as like trade targets, I think you're going to have to wait till the deadline. I don't think it's going to be an in season trade by any means. And I think it would be something of just like flipping these expiring contracts or something with maybe another year. Or, I mean, I am a psycho, so I go to the trade machine and this is just me thinking out loud of like Oladipo, if they kept into the deadline with Bertans in a couple seconds for like Gordon Hayward's expiring or something like that. For Ooh, a push. How, how about that? I like it. I like it. Something like that would be fun. But yeah, just something where they're not going to take any long term money on and it's not a big risk and it doesn't take up a lot of the minutes for the younger guys is what I would 
say, but yeah, there, there's not going to be, I would be shocked. And like you have mentioned before, signature phrase, I have the right to look stupid at some point, but I don't think there's going to be a star trade this, this season. Yeah. Uh, Giannis and, or Embiid is not going to come, come through that hallway at the, uh, at the trade deadline. Not walking through that door. I love that. Not walking through that door. (laughs) Uh, Question from Bryson. Do you think there's an opportunity that J-Dub is our second best player outright next year behind Shea? Yes, I do. I I mean, at at times, I think he was that last year. So I definitely think there's a chance next year. Um, It's either him or Giddy. I mean, flip a coin. I I still like, I think J-Dub probably has the higher ceiling long term but i i think we discount what josh can do at such a young age even younger than j-dub so i would say it's going to be one of those two guys um i might be surprised and it's chet holmgren he just hits the ground running as a rookie um but that's that's not as safe of a bet but yeah for sure i mean i I would not at all be surprised if if j-dub is their second best player and i think it's a reasonable expectation yeah i wouldn't be surprised either you're not going to find many guys who are bigger fans of josh than me but like you mentioned you know coin flip going back and forth i think just diving deeper into this question is the outright part of it where you go out of next season you exit and you go well it's shay and it's obviously dub and then there's Mm -hmm. like a little bit of a gap not to say that giddy's much worse than him but just you can see the definitive pecking order if that makes sense that would be a good sign, in my opinion, because I don't see Josh like completely falling flat, you know, in his third season. So, you know, I think he's going to be a good player. So if if there is a definitive line between them, that to me more so thinks that J-Dub continues on this like rapid rise and that Josh remains good. Um, so, yeah, I think that'd be a very very good scenario um for the thunder i mean best case scenario is like chet holmgren's their best player or i mean best is a long shot but second best player long term and then you're 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 really cooking then um but yeah i think i think j-dub is the best bet long term and maybe even next season to be their second best player bryson also asks all of these picks over the next several years what's the plan will we keep trading them for picks down the road who would we target and take and give multiple picks away for, which I know is sort of one we talked about earlier, but just more so focusing on what is the long-term plan with a lot of these picks? I think you've started to see it some. I I think rather than, listen, we don't need to get into the Giannis thing again, but if Giannis um, indicates that he wants to, you know, re-sign in Oklahoma City, then sure, use use all of those picks for him. Uh, that that's a that's a that's a good use of picks. I think the more likely scenario is that we see these, uh, you know, draft night trades with the Thunder, maybe overpaying, but you know, it's all relative to to the amount of money you've already got in your pocket. Uh, so an overpay for them isn't what it would be for another team. But like we saw um, with uh, the the Knicks trade last last year in the draft to get Usman Jang or 
you know, even even in this draft, although it was more contract oriented uh, with Bertans, but to to move up and get Case and Wallace, I think they could sort of, you know, package a few picks together and a current pick in that draft uh, to move up several spots. They've kind of been doing these like incremental moves with their picks to, you know, turn three mediocre picks into a player they really like in in the draft or to turn that into a more valuable pick long term. Uh, I think they're happy kicking the can down the road. Like if you say, okay, we've got a, you know, a pick from Philadelphia coming up that's going to be pretty valuable um, or or maybe not so valuable, um, but a a win now team kind of like the, the trade they made with the nuggets that needs to add reinforcements right now on the cheap. Well then sure. Kick that out as long as you can Uh, try to get a 2030 pick when you don't know who's going to be where I think they're, they're happy to do stuff like that. As Zach Lowe has said by 2030, like, are we all going to be underwater? Will there be an NBA? Like who knows what a lot of the stuff who's going to be on these teams. So you can make these trades and feel pretty confident about it. Yeah. I mean, and if we're underwater, then well, good riddance to, if we're, <laughs> if we're underwater, the least of our worries is going to be about the Thunder's unused draft picks. That That's going to be my last dying thought. <laughs> just like, man, what if they use that swap? What if they just, what if that TPE that was never used? But yeah, yeah. be like, wow, the, the sea levels are, are rising. The heat is sweltering, but damn, those Thunder draft picks. Those, we, we never used them. Those are the last human <laughs> documents that we can find is Steph talking about that. But yeah, um, I I feel the same way as you where you can use these picks in a lot of ways. You can move up in the draft like they have a lot of picks in this upcoming draft in 2024. Maybe you identify a guy like Case and then you want to move up to get him. Uh, You kick the can down the road. But kicking the can down the road is not to just sort of like keep the pick going as much as I think the Thunder are very, very conscious of wanting to have picks when the team projects to be good, because that is something that didn't yeah. happen under the last iteration with the Durant and Westbrook teams. Obviously they started at a different point with how many picks they had. They didn't have like a Paul George trade that really kicked them off, but having more picks when your team is competing is going to be a very, very big help for them. Yeah. It's a way to add cheap talent. And again, I'm not saying some huge splash isn't going to happen. I think it's, it's just, not smart to say that's likely to happen because um, these things surprise us for a reason. We didn't see them coming like a, a Paul George-esque move. Um, so so there could be something like that down the road and we, we can all be surprised together and, and talk about it, talk about it then. But like expecting something like that um, might set you up for disappointment when there's really no need to be disappointed right now because it's a very fun basketball team. And the reality is, I think ideally the Thunder would want all these guys to just pan out where they don't have to trade for a star, where they can just trade for tertiary guys to support them. But you, yeah, they might have a team of homegrown stars, Mm -hmm. but we just don't know yet. And it's like uh, one of my favorite quotes that Presti had was like, we're not going to try to fix a problem that we don't know that we have yet. I think a lot of people are getting very excited about the picks and have been patient over the last couple of years. And now we're seeing some of these guys kind of bloom and want to accelerate the uh, process. But the same process that got you to this point, I think is going to help you get to the next level potentially. Yeah. What do you say about like, it's like buying paint, like getting a new house, but buying paint before you see the house or Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Buying paint before you even know what house you're going to buy. 
Yeah. Second best analogy next to Dario Saric saying um, that teams are like laptops. Yeah, the Thunder's like a good laptop. <sighs> we need to we need to talk to good old Dario again, ask him about the laptops over in Golden State. But last, yeah, I wonder how those laptops. I mean, it's Silicon Valley, so I, I imagine the uh, he's going to fit right in with the tech crowd. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's been at like the Apple Expo and everything. He was <laughs> like, "How would you compare this to like a team? Is this like the the Pacers? Is this a Clippers? What what is this?" And they're is this like, "The Hornets laptop? Is it like blowing up?" Yeah, I don't want that. But our our last question here from friend of the program at TV's Jerry, what would oh, it take no. to get Joe at a media game? For those who don't know, the Thunder media basketball game. Every once in a while, we get together and play some pickup hoops. What would it take for Joe to get there? And then I'll also put a different one. What would it take for Joe to play? Yeah, it'd be a lot easier for me to get there than it would to play. What it would take for me to play is to um, not have as much. uh, If I if I had no shame, if I wasn't worried about completely embarrassing myself or tearing a ligament or breaking something. you know, and wasn't worried about looking like a fool, which I, w- I wish I wasn't, but uh, I would go out there and, you know, I, I can run around. I'd uh, I'd be a pass first guy. I'm not very good, though. And um, it's fun to hear about the pickup games, and I don't feel like I need to play in them. And yeah, I'm a bit of a party pooper, but I'm acknowledging it, at least. That's the first step in, in most problems that people have uh what would it take like a great sum of money which obviously isn't going to happen um but there's one answer i'll give you a completely legal 300 dollar bill right now <laughs> listen i might go out there and play i don't want this to become a thing that like i'm opposed <laughs> to playing in a pickup basketball game i just uh haven't really been been feeling it yet Known pickup basketball and music hater Joe Masato. Not not a big pickup basketball guy. Yeah, but the games are fun. Um, yeah, if you can't get out there, that would be great to have you there. You don't have to play the whole time. We had. Do you guys have a game coming up? We played on Sunday. On Sunday night, we actually had um, Jr. was there and played uh, from Thunder PR. Oh, cool! We played for like thirty minutes and then had to leave, but that was. Very fun. He's night. got some height. I would imagine he was one of the better players on the floor. Uh, he was uh, in a position like a lot of guys of playing not to get hurt, which I can respect. Uh, that is the whole goal for a lot of these guys. And who who was the MVP? Was it yourself? Um, well, it depends on who you ask. Um, <laughs> the people at the franchise are good friends <laughs> over there. Brought in a guy who just played at UCO last year and was on their all tournament team who played like three months ago. So. He came in and dominated a lot lot of the game. Uh, Daniel Bell, of course, will will let you know how good he was playing. I I had some moments. Um, Derek Parker called me 2016 Russell Westbrook at times. I didn't know if that was in a good way or a bad way, but that was his MVP season. I mean, I would imagine it's a good thing. I hit a couple threes here and there, but yeah, Joe, you and I, we need to work on our two-man game. Get you out there. Back to the question, what would it take for me to get out there? It would take a uh, a just out of college player not being there. Uh, I I am not more motivated to go out there if I'm playing against stiff competition. I want to be playing against old slow guys like myself. You and Jerry can guard each other. 
I bet he's dirty. He is. <laughs> Although, did you see the screenshot on Twitter of uh, Adam playing in the game, Adam Francisco, and he stiff-armed Jerry when he was on the floor? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you can look this up while we're talking. Way to go, Adam. Yeah, Adam, I was like, you really stiff-armed a guy who was already down on the floor, and he's like, I had to make sure he was down. But, yeah, it's always fun at those Thunder games. Yeah, if we can get it where it's mostly Thunder media and not just anybody who um, has seen a Thunder game in the area, I think that would be great. But the games are always fun, but I'm sure people are tired of us talking about some something that doesn't even see the light of day. Well, I can... I can go back to talking about the fair if you want, but we've, we've done that. So I good. think we should call it a day. Well, what else do you have going on? What's in the pipeline? What can you plug before we get out of here? Because I know you are always working. Yeah, I'm I'm going to, um, as as we do with some of these mailbag podcasts, I'm going to have a, a written version of that as well. Um, I'm going to Cincinnati uh, on Friday to cover the OU Cincinnati game on Saturday. Cincinnati's first game uh, in the Big 12, and it's going to come against kind of the the face of the Big 12, who's not going to be in the Big 12 beyond this season. So um, we'll have stuff from there. Uh, like I said, Media Day is, is coming up at the beginning of October. Training camp's going to roll around, so we've got all sorts of stuff. Definitely. We have a lot of stuff going on, but thank you, Joe, for making time for this and coming on. And thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever your podcasts. Make sure to leave a review. It means the world to us to hear your feedback. That's how we get better at Thunderbud Pod on Twitter. And we will be back again for more Thunder Talk on Friday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.